Welcome back to Cast Me to Hell with me, Seb. And me, Robbie. For episode 24, our top three rip-off horrors. So, Robbie, what are we thinking this week? <laughs> so, we are looking at uh, horror movies that are effectively rip-off of, you know, big franchises or big hit movies. And we say rip-off a bit tongue-in-cheek and a bit yeah. lovingly. <laughs> I mean, these the, the three films that I've brought... Um, I, for the most part, I do I do love them, but they are <laughs> you know they're the shameless rip offs. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it it could be uh, you know um, non uh, hockey mask wearing related uh, camp <laughs> slashers. It could be holiday themed slashers. It yeah. could be creature features. It could be all sorts. It, in general, yeah, it, it's quite it's quite broad when you start really thinking about it. There are loads of films where you think, oh yeah, that was inspired a little bit by that film or things like that. I mean. Some of ours are probably a bit more closer to ones like that's pretty similar, the same idea, but it could also be more just it was inspired by that like flux of like they made one slasher. So they made like a scream and then they had a million slashes that followed it. Yeah. They made Halloween. They had a million other, you know, we've had all those kind of supernatural films that have kind of been built off of the success of things like the conjuring or things like, that. and then you've got a million other versions of that yeah. kind of film. So it can be those kind of ones as well. Those technically have like, not so much like we say rip off, as you said, tug and cheek, because it is kind of like, yeah, they, they kind of, they might've changed their ideas. You Some of you might even say the, they got better original ideas than the yeah. original. Um, but it, it's kind of a mixed bag. And there, I think there are probably certain ones that we've kind of left that are like yeah, so we, obvious. I mean, well, I'm assuming you haven't got Friday the 13th. No, well, we, we said when we, we said were like, no, no, so ones, obviously, no like, ones. it was built off of Halloween. It's Friday the 13th. We've talked about it before. We don't need to talk about no. it again. There are certain ones that were just like, nah, we don't need to cover that. Yeah. Crap. And I don't think um, if you've, listen to any of our kind of top three or top five episodes before such as in memoriam um characters we didn't want to die or you know stupidest decisions or the characters that we did want to die yeah um you know that sometimes we get a little bit of a crossover and i don't think we're going to have any crossover this time i'm pretty confident to be honest. <laughs> um all of the films that i've chosen are on um amazon prime okay um <laughs> one each film is from a different decade now i say it i think okay <laughs> potentially so i don't yeah. think we're going to have any crossover um and if always uh, if you enjoy the show obviously hit that like and subscribe button i meant to get that in earlier yeah. but i've only just remembered <laughs> <laughs> so we've got some yeah um i, I think we also I, I don't know whether you have but i do have a i do have a backup or so in case we do have a crossover I've got one to throw in, and if not, it might be an honourable mention at the yeah. end that we won't talk about in depth, but I'll just say, this was my other one, or this was one that I thought, ah, this is a great rip-off. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so this, let's, I think, just I'll, delve right yeah, in, right? I'll let you draw first blood. <laughs> first blood, okay. Keep first blood. There we go. You know what? Like, I've I've put all of these down, but I haven't actually decided, like, a specific I order. <laughs> I have. I haven't done it in that level. My prep has not been as, like, strong as usual this time. I, like, know all the films I'm talking about, but I did. So I'm going to go, I'm going to start with a fairly more, like, obvious one. And my first one moves right into the, the rip-off of, and the era and the build of that, off of my favourite, pretty much my favourite horror franchise, and that is a rip-off of Scream. Okay. It had to be the slasher. There were so many 90s slashers that followed this. 
so many that were like close to yeah. like oh you've got that you've got a group of teenagers or college kids you've got a mystery killer who you don't yeah. know who it is I mean, you've got a whole bunch. I'm not going to name any in case there is one on your list or something like that. <laughs> but, a, but a lot of them were kind of that, um, a bit more of a whodunit slasher and a bit more of a, a human uh, kind of bad guy, you know, not yeah. so indestructible uh, group of friends and a bit a bit more of like a smarter slasher, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, thinking about it, I, I will say, like the, the ones in my head are, say, I know what you did last summer. Mm-hmm. Valentine, a classic. I love that. <laughs> um, I thought you might have that in your list. I was thinking of that earlier. I was thinking, I always remember watching it on TV. Um, it was always on late night TV. And I always remember the scene where the woman gets sent a box of chocolates and she says, you are what you eat. And she bites into it and there's a maggot in there. Yeah. Always love that. <laughs> no, that, that's, a, that's a good inventive one right there. But I decided, I did think about that one for a second, but I was like, no... Uh, the one I decided to go for is the one that I've kind of got a bit of a soft spot for, and that's Urban Legends. Ah, okay. Like, it's it's kind of, uh, if you don't know Urban Legends, I mean, it's kind of in the title, <laughs> but it's basically a killer who goes around and kills people based on different urban legends at a college. Um, and each film kind of builds uh, from that kind of, um, like things that they've talked about. They even have a class which is run by uh, Robert England in the film as the professor, and they talk about it. And there's some classic ones, like if you have have Pepsi and Pop Rocks, if you have those together, they will make your stomach burst. And it has that scene with Joshua Jackson where he does it on the front and he does it and he starts foaming at the mouth and kind of collapses. It's, I mean, it's one of these things. As I said, the reason it kind of falls into rip-off territory is because one, it's, it's not as strong as the film, like the film that kind of started this array of thing. It's not as strong as Scream. It's not even as strong as Say I Know What You Did Last Summer. Um, but it's got such a. It tries to be original. It tries yeah. to have something to go off of, and I love the idea of going off the different urban legends. Yeah, I mean, um, so obviously Scream was nineteen ninety six, and Urban Legends obviously two years later, nineteen ninety eight. Um, I do actually, you, you know, we're box office nerds here. Um, and I was actually quite surprised that it was made on a $40 million budget. Yeah, that's fairly it's, fa- that's fairly high, actually, it, for it, its, its amount. Yeah, it's a bit juicy, isn't it? And yeah. it, made, it made, what, $72.5 yeah. million back. So it was a hit. It, wa- it was a hit. Um, and it spawned, it, it spawned one, fi- one cinema release <laughs> sequel and one straight-to-DVD sequel. Yeah. I've never seen the, the the third one is called Urban Legend Bloody Mary. I know I've that never one. Seen I've it. never seen that one. I haven't seen because it's Final Cut. Final the Cut, the second one. one. I have yeah. watched that one a couple of times. First time I watched the the, the sequel, I was like, yeah, I was like, that's absolute shit. I watched it <laughs> again a while ago. It was a little better, weirdly, than I remembered, but it's still pretty poor. The first one is far better. It's got far better. Like the cast is quite good. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> the I mean, going just recently in the past, maybe six months or so. Apparently, Gerard Leto forgot that he made this film. <laughs> There's interviews I, online with him talking I'm not, about Urban Legends. I'm not surprised, to be fair. <laughs> I mean, he's, although he's a presence in it, I don't, wouldn't even say, I didn't feel like, although towards the end he is, like, for a lot of the film, he's like the shadowy, he's kind of, he's the reporter guy and he's kind of the shadowy possible love interest of the, the main character. Yeah. But he's kind of in the background and he kind of pops in and out occasionally. But I don't think you follow him as much as you do some other characters. So yeah. it's not really surprising that Jared Leto and Jared Leto. I mean, to be fair, if you've seen the films he he does, 
and he does quite a lot of transformations and stuff like that. On top of the fact he's in a band and probably does a shit ton of drugs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he probably doesn't remember many of his, much of the 90s, to be fair, at this yeah, point. Yeah, fair, fair enough. <laughs> um, but, but in my head, I was thinking, why is this, why do I like think that this is yeah. a rip-off? Kind of like, it's, yeah. it's, it's obviously built off of that success. And yes, you could say two years later, they probably already planned, planned it, things like that. But no, it actually came pretty fast from um the 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 film actually came pretty fast around 1997 and it was actually a kid who's only just finished come out of uh university at film school okay um so and he kind of got the option between he actually got the option between he wanted to do i know what he did last summer the yeah uh the director um who is i can't remember his name off the top of my head i remember Drake, uh, jamie blank jamie blank you jamie drew blank, a blank. I'm blank uh, on jamie blank he wanted to direct that and he did a whole presentation actually for I Know What You Did Last Summer. And then um, another director had already taken that up and, it, and he had this kind of pitch and idea for this other one. And they were like, why don't you do this one? Like, And they said the, the script needs a little bit of sorting out, but it's you know pretty strong. Um, and so it is built off of that. And we know that horror films can be turned around very quickly anyway. I mean, yeah. you've got, you had like a year between screen one and screen two. So you yeah, can see how quickly, and that's with a million script problems and shit like that. So you know that they can be turned around really quick. So it's not surprising that they're like, oh shit, screen was a success. Let's get how many slashes can we make in this amount of time. Um, and uh, with Urban Legends, it opens with a kill yeah and the very class, great kill it's a great kill i love that that opening well, we've got um total of the heart playing yeah. on the radio um yeah brad Dourif in a uncredited he's not actually credited in it but he he's in that scene and he's great as that creepy guy that you just like if you're in the middle of the night breath really if i see brad Dourif <laughs> in the middle of the night i'm fucking out <laughs> yeah i'm right <laughs> he's an awesome guy and he's a great actor but if I was in a uh, cinematic world, <laughs> nothing good happens with Brad Dorisson. No. Um, so it has this kind of, like, I was about to say cold open, but this is, and it's not completely unsimilar to the idea of Scream with Casey at the beginning of Scream, yeah. where you've got this, this girl who's going along. She's from the college. All the people in the college know her, so you know that's going to go back the same way that Casey in high school. And it kind of, it kind of has this kind of slow build, like, where is it? And I love the bit with Brad Dorfer runs up and he's like, he's in the back of the car yeah. and total eclipse of the heart is playing and she's completely freaked out and driving along. Um, but uh, one of the things that I um, really like about this is, um, which I only just found out. So obviously with Scream, Drew Barrymore was quite a, like a casting to be like, she was a well-known kind of star. Yeah. She was that. So it was kind of shocking to see that the person expected to be the main star was killed off. But this actually plays a fairly similar. She just isn't as well-known anymore. But at the time, she was quite a rising star. So her name is Natasha Gregson Wagner. And the reason that she's so well-known is because her mum was actually um, basically like Hollywood royalty. And her, her okay. mum was called Natalie Wood. Um, and her dad is Robert Wagner, who's another well-known star and things like Austin Powers and other like big hits back then. Yeah. But Natalie Wood is actually someone who was in a kind of mystery murder. They don't actually know exactly what happened to her. This involved Christopher Walken as well. Oh, okay. Uh, they don't actually know what happened to her when they were on. So basically they were on a boat trip and um, she somehow drowned yeah. in the middle of the night and they were like how did that happen and they believe she had like a 
may have had a bash, but they don't know whether they bashed her head on the boat or whether someone bashed her yeah. head before she fell off. And her father, Robert Wagner, was a prime suspect because he was on the boat. Christopher Walken was on the boat as well. Oh, shit. Um, so this is all one of these like things that have been like buried in history. But she is the daughter of her at the time in the 90s. She was like, oh, like she looks a lot like her. She's like yeah. this Natalie Wood. She's that star. She's like well-known and she's part of this kind of murder mystery thing. And they kind of played into that. Um, so some people, Americans, not really the rest of the world, but some Americans actually would have recognized her okay. quite a lot. So again, it was kind of that little bit of a stunt casting um, for the kind of opening for the one you kill off that then relates to the rest of the kids in there. And then from there, I mean, the kind of, uh, as we're not going like in depth with these, um, unless you are, but no, no, I didn't plan to go in depth. Um, but anyway. Um, I was forgetting um, Daniel Harris is in this as well. Yeah, she is. She's, yeah. The, she's the roommate. She's kind she's of goffy goth. roommate. And she so gets a she gets a kill where she's just like the the uh, her, they think she's having kill. sex. Yeah, she thinks she's having uh, her roommate who's our who's our main character thinks they're having uh, sex in the middle of the door room yeah. when she's being butchered and there's like still blood like splatting up the walls. Yeah, and but it's, it's like she thinks she's just having proper like nasty goth, violent sex. <laughs> and yeah, but and then it's aren't you glad you didn't tell That's what it is. Natalie's the main character yeah. played by Alice Witt. Um, but yeah, that's a that's a great death scene. Yeah. Uh, the other one I like is Michael Rosenbaum, who a lot of people, if if you watch things like Smallville, you'd know him as Lex Luthor. Um, he he gets the one with it, it's 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 proper nasty, and dog lovers out there will hate that part because <laughs> it's the dog in the microwave. They Ooh, put yeah. the dog in the microwave and splat, and then he gets killed by putting push it like gets slammed down against the toilet, and he pours bleach down his throat. Yeah, and I don't know why it just always this like a nasty like it just looks so nasty like choking to death and horrible and it's I thought, slow. I thought that was the pop box. Is that not? No, that's not the pop. No, box. I think I, I don't. No, that's it. It's a different urban legend because yeah. that's related to the the dog in the microwave. I, I think it's more one. the urban legend. Yeah, and the, the bit when he gets that is a bit more of a, <laughs> a twister. But um, but anyway, it 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 follows that same kind of. We don't know who the killer is. One by one around the around the college. More and more people die. The only slight differences we really have in there is obviously it's a setting and it does have a kind of a different way of twisting it by following these different urban legends, which is why I think it kind of stands out from some of the other ones, which basically are just, it's just a slasher guy yeah. going round killing. We don't know who it is. Uh, we have the main, Natalie, the main character, who witnesses it, who kind of witnesses it and no one believes her. Yeah. So she's kind of driven into this madness. And yes, we've still got the guy who's the love interest, Jared Leto, like character who is pretty much put down as he is like, he seems dark and mysterious. So if we've got a kind of Billy Loomis case here, or yeah. we've got somebody that's actually nicer. And then obviously in the end, we find out it's her, it's one of her crazy college buddies um, who is, with her crazy frizzy hair that is the psycho that we uh, learn is the killer. But as I said, it's not about going in depth. It's about the fact that I think that it is not a perfect horror film in any, yeah. in any way. And I love the urban legend idea. And I think I've heard that there's a reboot or a remake in the process. Yeah, I've heard there is. And I do think that this is a horror film that the, the urban legend thing really could be made into a good horror film. Yeah. I don't think they completely succeed here. But at least it's it's a ripoff, but it's not trying to be completely just shot for shot with basically the exact same film. Yeah. But there are a lot of similarities between them. 
Um, and it's kind of like a guilty pleasure. And I think most of my rip-off ones are pretty much just like guilty pleasure ones. Yeah. Um, although I will say for the ones that are coming up, one of them, I chose it, and then I'd actually only watched it properly for the first time today. Oh. <laughs> so my my kind of went from, I think this is a guilty pleasure. Some of it is, some of it I think, eh, it's not like, it's not as great. I'm looking forward to hearing it. Let's hear your number one. Uh, so this well, is my number three. Well, you're number three. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, I wasn't really thinking the top of yours. Yeah, your your third one. So I and I don't think you'd have seen this one because I don't think many people have. Um, but it's called Sawney, Flesh of Man, um, and in America it's known as Lord of Darkness, and it's from 2012. Yeah. This is where I got really confused because it's directed by Rick Wood. And it's written by his father, who's called Ricky Wood. <laughs> so I put written and directed by Rick Wood, but apparently it's not. Um, it's starring David Heyman, uh, who, who's in quite a few Scottish things, I think. Uh, Samuel Feeney and Gavin Mitchell. Um, I, I, could, I tried to find out the budget of this because it is relatively low budget, but it looks quite good for uh, a low budget film. And I couldn't actually find out the budget at all. Um, I was trying to track it down everywhere. Um, so... It, the actual plot of this is is kind of based on the on the true story of um, Sawney Bean, which who was apparently a 16th century cannibal, um, and he was a head of this cannibal family that lived in the Scottish Highlands. Um, that's a devil that you've just, <laughs> that you've just googled. I was just looking at that. You were just devil. looking at flesh of man, um, <laughs> and uh, so. And the the you know the legend is that you know he lived in in these caves in the Scottish Highlands and yeah. through incest and through inbreeding you know he had um, a forty five member clan uh, and they cannibalized over apparently you know um, a thousand you know I think it was a thousand people um, that they apparently cannibalized and then eventually you know they were um, they were they were tracked down and they were and they were killed. Um, yeah. So this, I, I just want to look at it because I was literally like this. This sounds weirdly familiar to me, actually. Yeah. So. It's. I I first watched it about I don't know what were we in two thousand and twelve. So I probably first watched this about six years ago, maybe. Um, I just it, I just downloaded it one night. Um, I'm not sure why. It just sounded cool. Um, and <laughs> since watching it, it, it kind of it it definitely stuck with me. Um, it just has this super kind of low budget feeling to it, and it and I mean it, it has a, it's a modern day tale on it. So apparently, you know, one of his ch- children survived, and it and it brings us up to modern day Scotland, um, and it's about these killings that are taking place and these disappearances, yeah. and we have um, an investigative journalist who's trying to track track it down and find out what's going on. Um, so I've put it as third place uh, because. Um, it is, you know, the original story is actually what heavily inspired Wes Craven. Um, so he he made Last House on the Left, which was obviously his directorial debut. Um, and then I think he was kind of stuck for films, and I think he wanted to go off and, and make something a bit more like serious and a bit more kind of I can't remember what the right word is, but he wanted to make kind of like a, a bit of a drama, I think. But they yeah. wouldn't let him. They were like, no, you have to put, your, you know, we want you to make another horror film because Last House on the Left was so successful. And they kind of, you know, they forced him to do this film. Uh, yeah. Well, Wes Craven was known, like, he's he's known for quoting and saying that he he never actually intended to make a horror film. Like, he never actually enjoyed horror films that much. He, yeah. said, he said he basically just, he always went for, like, the dramatics of it. 
and hoped that the creativity and the imagination would turn into something yeah. horrific because he got boxed into that a little bit, didn't he? Well, he, he so he went to um, he went to I think it, it might have been like the New York New York Library or something like that, um, and he started researching about kind of horrible things that have happened throughout time and horrible things that people have done, and he found the the story of the Sawney Bean and the family. Um, and then how he was executed horribly, you know, they were all hung, drawn and quartered, which was a big thing during the 16th century. Um, and they did that to him and the surviving members of the family that they didn't kill. Um, and he was he was really like um, kind of inspired by how a civilized society treated them. So that's what led on to make The Hills Have Eyes. Yeah. Um, and this film also does draw very heavily from Texas Chainsaw Massacre as well. Um, it's got a super kind of low budget feel. We have a cannibalistic family, so they live in the hills. They kill people who wander into their area. Um, they're all deformed so and inbreeding. So it's a bit of a mashup of uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre and the Hills Have Eyes, um, and it's super gory as well. Uh, in the way in which you know when you watch the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and you remember it having loads of gore in it. Yeah, this is almost like that, but it actually has the. It gore. actually has the girl. I was going to say because so, it's actually quite lacking. Yeah, it's lacking. Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. You just imagine like when he kills the when he kills in the wheelchair and things like that. It's just like in your head, you're like, oh, that was really horrific. And then you watch it back, like actually, there's nothing. Really see it. <laughs> you no, don't see, see any, anything. But you just hear it. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas this leave you know doesn't kind of leave a lot to the imagination. You know, we <laughs> we do see like a lot lots of body parts. We see beheading. We see torture all that kind of stuff. But it kind of has like a really super low budget feel to it, but whilst also being surprisingly polished. Um, some of the, the character choices are strange and kind of detract from the film. So you have David Heyman, who is a really good, I mean, he's the highlight of the film. He ha he does a really good portrayal of, of Sawney Bean. And he kind of, you know, he's this he is sort a very of, good actor. Yeah, he's a good actor. He's this sort of kind of, kind of religious zealot kind of guy yeah which is really cool <laughs> and they have this beast which is chained up which is one of his children and that's really cool but then the other two children who are in it uh they wear hoodies they've got like deformed faces like in um you know like in the hills have eyes and yeah stuff like that and one other one that i was going to inbred inbred <laughs> but then they wear hoodies and they do parkour and there's a scene where they have like a kung fu fight Oh, okay. And so it's just really, so it's really so weird. So it's set. Sorry. So it's set I, in I Scotland. Think, oh, I, but I was thinking, like in the past, it was a no. This is modern day. No, no, no. This All is right. modern day. Oh, okay. Um, I was literally thinking. Like, yeah. I know it was inspired by something, so I thought it was more the story. Like no, no, no. Like <laughs> this is like a modern day. This is his modern the, the day person story. who survives and keeps the family going. Uh, um, and towards the end, it you know it, it does it gets a bit weird towards the end. But overall, I think it's like it's it's enjoyable. It's super kind of uh, low budget, but still a rip off, but enough that it stands on its own a little bit, and enough to enjoy. And yeah, like it's on Amazon Prime. It's probably got to be one of the ones that you haven't watched, you know, on this list. Yeah. Um, but it's super enjoyable. Um, over yeah. to you for number two. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds very very interesting. So. Um, my number two, and my, my number two is the only one that I thought might possibly be the one that you might have thought about. And I did actually look, so I don't always check the Twitter that often. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I did look the other day at some of the 
uh, some of the comments we were getting. I don't yeah. know if that's a, I don't know if we think <laughs> we might have a few of those that yeah, we want to talk about. We've today. got to bring them up. I don't um, want to bring them up just the, in case you don't. You've got them. But the but the what the I do know that there was a mention of this film in one of them, and I was like, ah, oh, I've I've already got that one down on my yeah. list. Uh, and this is also the one that I'd. I thought I'd seen it properly before, but I wanted to rewatch it, and then I realised that I think I was thinking of a completely different film. However, it still is the within my rip-off that I wanted to talk about, um, but I'm remembering something of the past. That was a uh, phone disappearing. That was away. a phone being <laughs> um, And mine is, uh, my number two is Zombie Flesh Eaters. Or Zombie oh, two. class. Yes, <laughs> somebody mentioned that. They did, yes, they did mention it because, um, and I, I noticed they did mention about it being a ripoff. I mean, this one is the closest that we can quite easily say is a ripoff, which intended to be a sequel. Yes, <laughs> because Zombie Two, uh, made by uh, the lovely oh, I'm forgetting his first name. I know it's Fauci. Lu- I'm just Lucio? forgetting. Lucio Fauci, yeah. yeah. and I believe it was Scare and Sam podcast who mentioned this one. It was Scare and Sam podcast, that's and, correct. And I will give them another shout-out in for the <laughs> next one. <laughs> yes. um, yeah, so, um, yeah, so Lucio Fauci, and yeah, as I said, um, this obviously um, was intended in Italy, basically. At the time, in Italy, copyright law did not stop you from making a sequel to a film that already existed, even if you have no actual link to that film or no thing. So basically in Italy, they could make sequels to any film that they wanted and just say it's theirs and there's nothing that could technically be done, which I believe now in modern times I've looked it up and now that's not the case anymore because they did go to them and finally say well, well fuck off yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. stop saying that your films are not because we'll actually release them in your country so that we don't want people getting confused when you say that Zombie 2 is because it was called Zombie Dawn of the Dead was called Zombie in Italy yeah. so this is Zombie 2 <laughs> the same way we had Trolls and Trolls, Trolls 2 <laughs> another <laughs> classic we'll come to one day yeah. um, but um, so yeah, this is inspired by. Although I will say that their zombie is slightly different. It was slightly different in Italy. Their Dawn of the Dead because they had actually re-edited it and rescored it oh. for the Italy market. Okay. So that's why they kind of felt that they were able to say that they could take precedence on it. Although they had not actually filmed any scenes, they just re-edited scenes. So technically, it still is George Romero's film. You can't say it. <laughs> yeah. So they still said it was George Romero. But this is a spiritual successor however lucio fauci did not believe that this was a spiritual successor the producer said dawn of the dead or zombie was really successful we want you to make a sequel to that lucio fauci did not like the idea of making a sequel to that yeah. he wanted to make films like from the island of dr monroe yeah. and um Karloff's um, The Walking Dead, which yeah. is not like the modern day Walking Dead. That was more about more supernatural. Yeah, it's more, more the, voodoo. The voodoo zombie. The voodoo. Yeah. This is the voodoo much. zombie. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's what Fauci wanted to make, but the studio insisted that it was zero. So he made it, but he still made it in his own way. And I think you can see that there are parts where it has to be basically. They were like it insisted it had to be set in America. So there's an opening on the there's an yeah. opening. We're, where we see the boat arrive in the harbour in New York City. Yeah. And it has like a, a throat ripping scene and this big bastard zombie that kind of comes out and kind of, you know, with dubbed over kind of voices and stuff like that. Because... It's almost 
like giallo giallo whatever it is isn't it that dubbed over kind of it, thing it is it's because they used a mixture of they used the mixture of english american and italian actors but the yeah. italian actor spoke in italian which fuck knows what the english american <laughs> actors had to do when they said their lines originally because they had to dub the Al- but yeah. I was, I, in my head I was, I, when i was thinking that when i learned that fact i was like so what did the when the American actors had to listen, which is probably why the acting comes across a bit stunted at times for the so like for all of them at points, is because they're like, I'm just going to assume you're finished, yeah. <laughs> so I can say my line because uh, I don't know what the fuck you just said. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, that so that opening scene things like that. So it has that, and the ending also goes back to New York, and there's a little time spent in New York towards the yeah. beginning of the film. Um, but it's it's really uh, and that's with the Annabelles who uh, Annabelle sorry I said that really yeah. quickly uh, which is played by Tisa Farrow. Um, she's basically looking for her dad who was meant to be on this boat and now it's, it's yeah. gone and it's got some really nasty fantastic special effects in this. Oh, it's like, really good. Where it? he like pull like um, even in that opening scene when he pulls it the the, the zombie who's there. He pulls like a clump of his flesh off and it yeah. comes off in his hand. The, the special effects in this film are great, especially oh. for 1979. Oh yeah, the, the special effects are are, are fantastic. Um, and I've got to mention now that Fabio Frizzi's score is fucking. Oh, awesome. it's class! It's amazing. Like but, uh, it's it really reminds me of like John Carpenter's kind of synthetic kind of score, but um, it, it, it's so good for its time it's better than the soundtrack for yeah. dawn of the dead like those ones is is a better i think i prefer that like style that's one thing they have on dawn of the dead i think this was the one where i told you i was watching it um and then we were driving in your car to go somewhere yeah and, and, I, I, start, and I started playing it and you were like oh it starts off really synthy and you were like, oh this is pretty cool and then it gets into like a jungle kind of yeah yeah, yeah, yeah and you were like oh yeah i'm digging this yeah yeah, yeah. i was gonna say i thought it was the same one but i was like i was trying yes, to remember i was like i can't remember one. if you talked about that or a different italian director or yeah. filmmaker so i was like is that that one um yeah so fabio frizzi and giorgio tucci um if those spellings if those sayings are incorrect we fuck them up all the time on the yeah. show um <laughs> But anyway, so um, it's it's easy. I don't really need to explain why this is a ripoff because it is just straight off like they made a sequel to a film that is not their film or had yeah. no permission to actually make the sequel. And marketed it as that. So um, I will say that I did notice that quite a lot of the style and the shots of this film are actually very similar to okay. Dawn of the Dead in the way that Romero shoots. I, could ju- I was just looking at it. The way that the the camera pans, the way that it kind of moves, the way that it kind of close up and yeah. co- and kind of zooms in from a disc. There's a lot of those very similar. So it seems like Lucio, may, at least in some way, may have looked and went right. Let's well, at least this make is it what they look want me to like it, if yeah. that's what they want. But it is very much more zombie. Uh, sorry, not zombie. A uh, voodoo zombie than it is. Um, the dawn of the dead kind of rising from hell yeah reanimated corpse kind of uh, not it doesn't have it so it has some amazing scenes oh, when the yeah. zombies come out of the ground and that things is like incredible. that and the, the kind of the main zombie that you see on the poster the worms in the eyes yeah just incredible it's it's the music and the special effects i've got to admit i don't entirely think it's a great film it's, i think it's the special good. effects are great yeah i think the the music's amazing uh i just think that there's a lot there's some pacing issues in this yeah. film it feels like it went a very long time without a lot happening. And I always struggle with dubbed films anyway. 
it kind of just doesn't work in my brain. I'm like too yeah. focused on their lips. Like, like that's not in the right place. Like it's not correct. Um, I but- had that at first and I had that whilst watching this film. But when I was watching Demons by um, Dario Argento, yeah. which is another G- Giallo that's film. That's the one we were going to we were going to do. Um, that's when it finally clicked for me. Yeah. And I loved it. And now I, because I didn't, because I, I didn't realize that it's dubbed, you know, I just, I was, I thought it was just bad sound quality. I didn't realize yeah. that it's filmed in whichever language and then dubbed over. I yeah. didn't realize that. I just thought it was strange. Even in their home country, Even it's still dubbed country. in that yeah. English, which is really strange to me. And I don't know, for me, I would honestly just prefer it if it was spoken in Italian and I had subtitles. I yeah, would prefer oh, that. Yeah, I, I prefer just, some, I don't know why, it's always probably up. It's like the old like karate movies. Yeah, it's kind of like, like Jackie that. Chan back in the day when he couldn't speak any English. He was just like, <laughs> just yeah, like speaking. They, it's like, he does so it 30 seconds later, his voice starts yeah. speaking. His mouth moved 30 seconds ago. Why is it talking that? Yeah, they um, just have that dub, don't they? Um, but yeah, I mean, and there's also, uh, so there's uh, the shark scene. Yeah, I love which the is crazy, scene. and the shark scene is, is kind of mad because uh, Fauci didn't direct that scene. Fauci refused to direct that scene. He didn't want to <laughs> fair, do it. Fair enough. And, and this is another film that was inspired in this film was because of the craze at the time, because the biggest film in the world right then was Jaws. Yeah. So the the producer again said, "Oh look, so I want you to rip off this sequel. I also want you to rip off like something from that. I want I want Jaws basically yeah. in this film." <laughs> so he was just trying to stuff whatever American consumerism they saw <laughs> and shove it into this Italian film, which was a, in itself basically taking the success of American consumer. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, I'm, I'm surprised there wasn't like a, um, Italian Darth Vader in it. <laughs> <You> <laughs> that's know. what I mean. Just appearing. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, um, it's, but as I said, it's it's a really like um, it's a really strong special. Fauci's amazing with his. Anyway, I, I've seen I have seen some of them went back when I was in university. I have seen some of his other, and uh, he's really got an amazing eye for like special effects and plan. Oh yeah, and he pushes the boundaries as well. Yeah, some people say that he's kind of it, it's very two sided argument. Some people say he's he's amazing visual director. And others say that he's just a kind of a hack who just knows special effects kind yeah. of thing. Like he's got good special effects guys who do what his vision are, but he's not a good storyteller. Yeah, I can't say that this film necessarily proves either way for that. But in terms of a rip-off film of a thing, if you're making one that shouldn't be, Day of the Dead is a better film yes. uh, than this. <laughs> Although um, Day of the Dead wasn't out by then. But no, <laughs> no, but you see what I mean? Like, yeah. It's the actual sequel to Dawn yeah. of the Dead. Um, but still, it's for what it is, it's a pretty entertaining little Rob, um, and I Rob. It was one of those video nasties as yeah. well, it, like that they banned in the uh, the UK. We had a million of those. Awesome. So it's the eye gouging scene when he pushes her eyes. Oh, off the so hard. It's so brutal, uh, and some of the deaths in this are really brutal. So it it, it definitely it succeeded in that gore side for me. Um, but yeah, as a as a, a rip off, I think it's a pretty strong. That's why it's made it into my top three because it's yeah. a it's a fairly well made rip off of the ideas, um, and it does have some. But it does have some really weak points, especially <laughs> the bit that made me really lull at the end of the film. Um, so I wrote it down here the ending voiceover. So basically, there. They're walking across uh, like the Brooklyn Bridge. I very vaguely remember. Yeah. Um, at the end, the end yes. shot is them walking across, and then you have a voiceover from like police or something like that that's going off. 
and it's like the vo- ending voiceovers. This American girl like the zombies are at the door. No, they're coming in. Ah! <laughs> and literally, it made me laugh. It's literally like on. We've talked about the screaming no man. Yeah, it was on that level of like, you know, or on talking about trolls too. It, it literally is like an oh my god kind of moment. It's like why did you include that? That's yeah. so bad. <laughs> like the shot of them walking over the bridge is actually really good. Yeah, it's just like just don't say anything. That's <laughs> no, fine. Don't say anything. Shut up. <laughs> it's like if you see the um, if you ever see the original um, opening video for Resident Evil, it's really like that. There's a guy who's, who's who plays Chris Redfield. And when Brad flies off in the helicopter, he, goes, he just goes, no, don't go. <laughs> I just love shit voice acting. Yeah. Like that, uh, it makes me laugh so much. So I kind of, it's, it's again, like that's a kind of love point for me. If it can make me laugh like it did this morning, I was like, yes, that's great. <laughs> um, yeah. So there we go. Yeah. So my number it's two. Yours. Now, I think it'd be interesting to see if you know what this rips off, because it's kind of a film that I remember being everywhere for the time it was out in the cinema yeah and it dominated the box office and it dominated a lot and then it kind of disappeared and i think a lot of people have probably forgot about it um that's the original but what my ripoff um and it's it, it's i put it in number two because it okay uh, so the, the, this is the, that was about the original that was about the, the original rip-off. okay um so the, <laughs> so the ripoff um i put it in number two because it's kind of it's based on a true story. The original is based on a true story as well, but thematically and effectively, the pretty much the same story. Um, and that the the ripoff is the Reef, two thousand and ten. Yeah. So it was directed and written by uh, David Truwacki. I've probably butchered the name, but I believe he's an Australian. He yeah. made the original. He made the first Blackwater. I think that was his directorial debut. Um, and then he followed up with The Reef, and then he also did um, Blackwater Abyss. So he's he seems to do a lot of these creature feature kind of films. Um, and it's starring Damien Walsh Howling, Zoe Naylor, and Guyton Grantley, who I believe are all Australian actors as well. Australian it, horror. Australian <laughs> horror, yeah. It was made on a $3.8 million budget, and I couldn't actually find the box office because I believe in Australia it released in the cinema um, and got, yeah, $124,764 US dollars, which is very specific. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I believe elsewhere it was released kind of straight to DVD. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I, I couldn't it, it rang a bell, but then I think I'm thinking, I was thinking of The Shallows. Yes. So a uh, Blake Lively. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> um, so it's based on an, uh, kind of another true story. Like Sawney Bean, I've got a bit of a true story now. Um, <laughs> and this the, this one is from 1987. Um, but what the reef is about is it follows a group of people who are delivering a yacht to Indonesia um, and they strike a coral reef, which kind of caps, capsizes the yacht. Um, the group then have to take their chances as they're stranded in open water. <laughs> and... Uh, they have to decide whether to stay put on the vessel or swim about 12 miles to the nearest place or uh, piece of land. Did you get what it's ripping off? I've literally just said it. It's gone over your head. Hasn't it's it? gone over my head. Open water. Open water. Oh, yeah. Yes. See, that's the... That exactly. was that, that was... It wasn't the shallows I was thinking of. No. Open water is the film I was thinking of so, before. Open water is uh, from yeah, 2003. Very, and when you said the reef, open water is the film the, the the poster i was thinking of it yeah. was the well you could see the poster so 
Yeah. It's, I mean, the posters are extremely similar. Yeah, it's, um, it's very close. Yeah. and um, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's sharks and water. <laughs> it's, it's people being stranded in water. Yeah. Um, and it's, I mean, the op- open water was released in 2003. It's the story of an American couple who go scuba diving, they get forgotten, and then nobody knows what happens to them. Yeah. Um, and it's it's this account of you know yeah, what. So happened. I have seen open water. I haven't seen marine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, so open water. Do you remember? I remember being everywhere. You know. Yeah, I do remember being. And it was a massive box office success. You know, it was made on a budget of one hundred twenty thousand dollars, and then I think it got bought by Lionsgate, maybe, and they pumped more into marketing. And then the budget was fifty five point five million. Um, but it's not just box office. box office. The box office <laughs> is fifty five point five million. <laughs> but yeah, that, but that is a that is a big success. That's a big success. Yeah. Um, and because of this, and I mean, I'm I'm not saying that it's a, it's exactly a rip off, but it's it's whilst it is based on a different story, it's kind of hard to not draw the parallels because they're both stranded in the open water. Um, both of the films follow them being stranded in shark infested waters and both are based on true stories um and then you remember kind of with open water came a lot more of this realistic approach to kind of creature features yeah um it's not so much deep blue sea which obviously came out was cgi sharks and was big kills you know and was that and you kind of you see a lot of that kind of nowadays whereas you know open water uh set this more realistic thing it was almost slightly a bit Blair Witch in the way in which it was kind of supposed to be found footage it was supposed to be like you were there with them um it does feel very these kind of films do feel very real yeah I think for some people it it is hard to watch I think because they think oh this is like a creature features is just some over-the-top CGI yeah can be mindless it's like the Meg it's like the Meg yeah it's like I can I can turn off my brain for a bit whereas these ones are not you're like constantly suspensefully yeah on the edge, like what the fuck happened? Unless you know, modern days they're kind of ruined because they've just spread a phone like shit. <laughs> yeah, uh, they're dead. <laughs> there, so there was um, there was a because uh, I was going to choose this other film, um, and it was um, obviously Lake Placid came out and it was a massive film. Yeah, um, and Lake Placid. Yeah, Lake Placid was class. And then <laughs> there was a film that came out and it was just there was there was one called Alligator and it was from the nineteen eighties or something like that. But there was another one that came out in the kind of uh, 2000s, and it was called Crocodile. <laughs> and it, somehow it was it was directed by Tobe Hooper, um, who did some incredible stuff, obviously. Texas yeah. Chainsaw, Funhouse, loads of others. Um, and I was going to choose that, but that's more of your kind of over-the-top creature feature. Yeah. The Reef follows that realistic approach, so it's... You know, the film centers on keeping the threat hidden in the back of your mind. So a lot of the times you don't see the sharks, you know, it's you might hear water breaking. You yeah. might see characters react to feeling things. And it's that kind of like re, re, more realistic approach to it. Yeah. Um, another thing that it gets from uh, open water is that it doesn't use any CGI or animatronic sharks. It actually uses um, real footage of sharks and stock footage so open water they actually filmed the actors in the water with the sharks yeah um, obviously supervised by like people they didn't just leave them there <laughs> with a camera and say we're coming back um but and uh, the reef tried to do that as well but apparently um, they didn't get any really exciting footage um <laughs> so they had to go to to stock footage um 
But, you know, they kind of go like that. And the, the attacks are less over the top. You know, Sam Jackson being grabbed and people being eaten it's not, in half. It's not zombies riding a it's shark. Not, yeah, it's not zombies <laughs> fighting a shark. Um, and it's, it's characters are, you know, dragged or they're taken underwater. And you might see a bit of fear of water breaking. Um, and then, yeah, the posters are even extremely similar. I would actually go and I would say that the reef is better than open water. Um, I never, I, I didn't find open water particularly, you know, scary or anything. I found it, it was, it, it, it's freaky being in that. And I think yeah. the first time you, you watch a film like that, you kind of think like, oh, that'd be horrible to find myself in that situation. And there's always that potential. Um, but for the most part, it, it's kind of dragged out. And I think because you only have two characters, it's kind of like... Uh, yeah, yeah th- those kind of films can really be ones that they either work or it just feels like you're waiting a really long time for them to die. <laughs> yeah, and that's what open water felt like. Yeah. You, you know what's yeah. going to happen. Whereas this film, it takes a bit more time with building the characters. And even though you don't particularly... I mean, I didn't find myself particularly caring for any of the characters. Yeah. It still has that, has a bit of that. And then, you you know, there's a bit more of a group and there's... There were some actual scary, intense moments in it. I would, I would say that the reef is better than open water, but it's hard to not think that he heard of, you know, he potentially heard of the story, yeah. and then saw open. I water. mean, you said he previously made other like a. Well, he made black water, black which water. Was like a crocodile, but like, yeah. just so he 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 he'd kind of made similar kind of ones. But it's hard not to yeah, yeah. to say that several years down the line that you're not just thinking, oh, that was good. But then there was, as you said, a long stream, not just Blair Witch, but we had a whole bunch of like real life stories that were kind of told in this kind of way. And there were quite a few. I think there's even more examples of shark ones where they've been in the yeah. water or or a group or a thing, or they're stuck on yeah. a boat and. You know, there's been quite a yeah. lot of them. So it well, is one big trending. Well, going back to um, what what you said about, uh, you know, Zombie 2. Um, so Open Water actually had a sequel, uh, which was, yeah, again, nothing to do with the uh, original. It was basically um, people capitalising on the name. Um, so it was just called, it was called Open Water 2. Um, and it was basically, um, you know, it had no connection and it was actually written before Open Water was released. Uh, but after they were like, actually, we've got to change the name to Open Water 2 <laughs> in some <laughs> countries to try and capitalize on that. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've seen Open Water 2. I heard about it. Um, and when I was doing a bit of research. Yeah. The poster looks cheap. <laughs> yeah. And when I was doing the research, you know, I I decided to stick with The Reef because the reef is actually a good film yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um that would be my number two and yet again it's on amazon prime yeah so if you're in the mood for some zombie, Check out a bit of yeah some f- shark action yeah <laughs> it's shark <four>. fantastic <laughs> so um my number one which feels weird because i don't know like um whenever i do these top three i don't know why i never and we've had this before i never really think of it as that order no, you don't I don't know why. I never think of it like, because it's as if I'm saying that I think one is better than the other, when to me, this is just three films that I've chosen that are kind of in that thing. Yeah. I don't know why. I can never think of it. So this isn't me saying that this film is better than the other <laughs> one. Um, this is just me going off. Um, this is probably the first one on the list where I don't know. Maybe you've seen it. Um, it is It is an American 
one, Marathon. and it is from the 90s. Okay. And it was one that I thought of when I was a kid, and I saw it again the other day, and it changed from my original choice to this. Um, and again, I watched this again this morning. <laughs> okay. uh, but I had seen this several times before. <laughs> and it is Deep Rising. You ever seen that? No, the only thing I can think of is there was a film with Mark Wahlberg, maybe. It's not with Mark Wahlberg. So, Deep Rising um, from uh, 1997, um, or no, actually January 1998, actually, okay. um, is a... It is a creature feature. Oh, so it lives right But this is not your uh, real life creature feature. This is an over the top CGI. This is basically, and this is what I would say, it's Titanic meets Aliens, basically. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, its original script was called Tentacles. Okay. Um, so it was very much building. It was building on these creature features that you had at the time. Yeah. So. We had a lot. In the 90s, we had quite a lot of these creature features. Now, this was before Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it came prior to that. But it did have, I mean, you've got like um, one that was a huge, huge hit, Anaconda. Anaconda class. Anaconda, only a, like only about two years prior, was a big hit. Yeah. Um, obviously, and also even, say, Jurassic Park. That was only a few years after Jurassic Park. Yeah. That is a proper, that was like the one that almost kicked off the creature features in a lot of ways. Um but this one um, actually links back further because when I was looking at it as a ripoff, I looked at this one and I looked back to the production for when the script was done. And the script was actually written way before the film was released. Okay. Um, this is directed by Stephen Summers, who you might know as the director of The Mummy. Oh, Brendan class. Fraser, The Mummy, not the Tom Cruise. <laughs> I was hoping it would be Brendan Fraser. <laughs> um, so, and you can, you can see it in the sense it, 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 it's kind of like, it's slight horror, slight action, same way. You know, you've got a, a lead by played by Trick Williams, um, who you might not know, but in the nineties he was a fairly he was a fairly like on his way up, but only a few years later he was doing some little soap show, so it kind of yeah. didn't work out for him. Um, probably because of, uh, of this film. Got from, uh, I don't never know how to say her name. Fan, 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 Frankie, I've always thought Fra it was Janison. I thought it was pronounced as Frankie, but it says Frank. Famke Jensen, who sure. you'd know from X-Men and, yeah. like, you know, stuff oh, like that. Yeah. Um, and it's got a whole bunch of actually quite well. Cliff, Cliff Curtis, Jason Fleming. Um, do you, I, why am I choosing these? <laughs> Digimon Hanuso. That's not how oh, you yeah, say his name. So. Uh, that is not how you say his name Digimon? at all. Who's been around for a good while. Yeah, there's some good I can't remember how to say his name. I, I know it's not pronounced anything like that. No, um, there's, some, there's some good actors. But yeah, there's a, there's a good a good amount of actors in there. Um, but yeah, so basically it's a... Um, Trent Williams, John, is a uh, basically a boat for hire. He'll take them anywhere, no yeah. questions asked. Nice. They're basically a bunch of mercenaries who are off to do a heist uh, on a cruise ship. We find that out a bit later, but um, and on his boat, he's also got uh, two other uh, two other people with him. One is played by the same guy who's in the Mummy, who plays, and I had his name in my head before, <sighs> and I've already forgot. Um, Does he the really annoying guy? I can't remember his name in the Kevin Mummy. Kevin J O'Connor uh, is his name, and he plays. 
you know the guy that's constantly yes. that goes back the scarabs get him when he's in the yeah. dark I can't think of his name inside the, the tomb yeah and I, I had it in my head before because I literally had Brendan Fraser in my head saying bye and it's it sort of a B and I can't remember it oh my god it's not uh, we'll work that out in a minute yeah we'll figure um, but anyway um, it I mean, there's not too much. There are there's not too much more to explain. It's basically just a ton of tentacles, like an octopus or so, that comes through. And basically, there's the cruise ship is full of people. Yeah. And then we get a scene when they say that certain bigs coming towards them. All the power on their boat on the cruise goes out. Nice. Which isn't to do, uh, which we don't believe at that point is to do with the mercenaries. We find out it's actually. The person who owns the boat, who's this classic dickhead character, uh, he is the one who's turned off all the power on the boat, not expecting there to be a giant tentacle <laughs> yeah. monster coming on. And we get this scene, we get quite a cool scene where um, uh, when everything kind of, they think the boat's just crashed, and we get a kind of, everyone's like stomping over each other, and a woman goes into the bathroom, and she's like sat on the bathroom, and suddenly she starts hearing a noise through the plumbing. Yeah. And then she gets literally pulled into the toilet, and like blood splatters all over the toilet, kind of thing. <laughs> it's not a huge. It's not a hugely like gr- graphic. You don't see like full on like body parts completely get chomped off. Yeah, but you get a few scenes such as like where a guy gets recur- regurgitated out of it. Nice. And half of his face and his skull is completely like ac- acid has burnt it away, and his skin. So it it's like that. And you also get all of the cruise. You get a scene where all of the cruise passengers when they finally find where all the bodies are, and it's basically just an entire room just full of bloody parts and skulls and skeletons. It's just like a huge set piece. Um, Now, this film, at the scripting stage, was written right at the start of the 90s, and it very much feels more that when it was originally written, it was trying to be more of a rip-off of... I mentioned before aliens, definitely aliens. Yeah. Mercenaries go on a thing and a whole bunch of creatures come after them. It's aliens. The style is so much aliens. The mercenaries, they're all just, most of them act like a bunch of assholes. But yeah. You've got one or two redeeming characters <laughs> who are kind of forcing other characters, are Ripley and are, yeah. you know, so uh, to like do something that they think is not a good idea to do. And then in comes and they start getting taken out one by one. Um, We've even got like the ship's captain who turns out to be a complete asshole, like all these kind yeah. of things. But also the thing, uh, this is very much kind of got like a kind of. He said it was very much inspired script wise by the thing, the, yeah. The the graphic, the horror of it, the the where are they coming from, the what yeah. is what is this kind of creature? We've got a little bit of that thrown in there. So those kind of films, but then also by the time he went to direct it, as I said, we had Anaconda, we had Mimic. We had arachnophobia. Oh, yeah, we had all of these like creature features that yeah. had become like really, really big. Shout out Lake Placid. I think that was out then. Was uh, it? That was after as oh, well. That was after. Deep Blue Sea and Lake Placid were after this one. Um, so yeah, it's um, Stephen Summers wrote and directed this film. Before this, he'd mainly been doing like uh, you know like TV stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, but this re-emergence of the creature feature, they thought they'd go right in on this. The one thing I am happy about is, luckily, this got delayed and wasn't released until January 1998. Okay. Now, by that point, they were just about to start production on The Mummy. This film tacked. <laughs> like, yeah. proper tacked. Well, I'm looking the, at the, it. The, bu- the budget, budget was 45, 45 million. Which is quite a lot. Yeah, it, it was. It was getting proper, like... 
like for instance the other day i only realized for the first time the other day i was watching movies that made us on netflix yeah. and i was watching the jurassic park one jurassic park was made for 65 million which is fucking mad when you think about it now the, yeah. the new ones probably so like 250 million yeah when you think of how good that film looks that now was this was actually made by the same people who um uh, light and image who did the special effects for Jurassic Park. Yeah. They have not held up like Jurassic Park at all. It definitely looks like a fake creature <laughs> flying around. But it's it's a it's a fun film. It's well, like a thing. But budget of forty five million, which as we've said is quite big. Yeah. And then a box office of eleven point two million. So Yeah. So it's it was a bit of a very poor, poor performance. Yeah. It was a poor performance. Which and the reason I say I'm glad that happened is because if this, if they hadn't delayed it from the previous year, there's probably a good chance that Stephen Summers never would have got to make The Mummy, oh, yeah. <laughs> which is just a classic. I, I like, and he wouldn't have hired, he chose Brendan Fraser for the role out of other big actors like Brad Pitt and stuff like that. He said that Brendan Fraser was better. So this is also the reason that I love this rip-off of a film. <laughs> and I, I love it from when I was a kid. So I've got a bit of nostalgia. You might watch it and go, that was shit. But <laughs> I've, I've never got a heard bit of nostalgia that. for it. I might um, have to watch it because I've never heard it's, of it. It's, it's, on, you haven't got, but it's on Disney+. Plus. It's <laughs> oh, a fascinating film for Disney+. Plus. Well, um, one thing. and it, By the way, if anyone out there um, purchased Disney Plus at the beginning and said there's fuck all on here except the Disney stuff, well, no shit. But um, <laughs> now deep. that they've got the star thing, they've got a shit ton more. They've got like most of the Alien films, Predators films. They've, oh, got, they've got loads of horror films on there. They've got loads of films now. The star function has just opened it wide open now. It's great. Um, but yeah, I just, I love the fact. I mean, I like Stephen Summers because his best film is The Mummy. Um, and that itself is a ripoff, of, you know, <laughs> and a rip is a remake. But yeah, this but film is just I love the creature features and I love those ones. I love, like, say, Guillermo del Toro's Mimic, yeah, uh, from that era. And obviously, what came after it, we've seen Lake Placid. I love all yeah. those 90s creature features, and this is just another fun one. But it is a complete ripoff, especially of Aliens. But it was also them kind of trying to bank on a bit of, I think they were trying to bank a bit on like the producers were like, oh. Big film with a boat. Yes. <laughs> we will do this. Titanic made like a billion dollars. Yes. You can have a creature feature on a boat. Maybe Probably. maybe maybe all those people will suddenly go brain dead and think that this is the same <laughs> Titanic. It's the sequel. <laughs> yes. But anyway, James Cameron. The guy's got a bit of a boner for James Cameron, it appears, because Aliens, Titanic, both James Cameron. So yeah. um, that is my final rip-off. Yeah. Okay, my one is um, Blood Rage. Blood which Rage. is from 1987. Um, it's a quite a forgotten slasher film, um, and I've got to give a I've got to give a shout out to Scaring Sam podcast again because they did a whole episode on it for their uh, summer of slashers. Um, and this film is directed by John Grisman. Uh, it's written by Bruce Rubin, who I clicked on when I was looking researching, um, and it and it linked me over to. Bruce Joel Rubin, who wrote Jacob's Ladder, which is a great thriller and a great horror, and Ghost. Yeah. And I was thinking, well, this film, you know, Blood Rage isn't particularly like written overly well. So I was thinking, unless this dude suddenly got really good at writing with Jacob's Ladder and, and yeah. Ghost, this is awesome. Completely different guys. <laughs> so I was <laughs> simply confused, like a fool. Um, and, it, you know, we have uh, Louise uh, Lasser, Mark Soper, and Julie Gordon starring in it. So the plot for this um, is, in 1974, 
I'm going to see if you can guess what the ripoff is. Uh, in 1974, whilst at a drive-in theatre with their mother, who is on a date, twins Terry and Todd sneak out of the car and find an axe, killing a young man who is having sex with his date. Terry blames Todd, who is too traumatised to defend himself, and ends up being admitted to psych- a psychiatric unit. Ten years later, on Thanksgiving, now an adult, Todd manages to break out of the psychiatric unit, and Terry's murderous instincts become activated again. I mean, there are several that I think that that could be a rip yeah. off of. Uh, the first one that popped in my head purely because it was Thanksgiving was weirdly my bloody Valentine, but okay. I'm assuming Halloween. Yes, it is, but it's not. I mean, so it is ripping off the granddaddy, you know, which which is Halloween. Um, yeah. So at the very opening, you know, we have a child murdering a teenager who's engaged in a set in sexual activity. Um, we have an escaped mental patient, although this time he's not the killer, um, who potentially, I can't remember how he escapes, but whilst watching it, I remember thinking, did he just get out of that car? How did he learn how to drive? <laughs> you know, So he potentially have that same plot hole. Um, he escapes <laughs> just in time for a, na- you know, for a national American holiday, not ours. Um, and then we have two kinds of Dr. Loomis ripoffs. So you have Todd's psychi- uh, psychiatrist, who tries to track him down um, and believes that he's dangerous and is telling everyone he's dangerous, he's a murderer. She doesn't last very long. Um, she, she's promptly dealt with. And then we have Todd himself, who's trying to track Terry down because he realises how dangerous he is and he wants to get free. Uh, so one is a subtle, subtle rip-off, the other's not so much. Um, to split it into two characters. <laughs> yes. Um, the film does try and end with a kind of a shock cliffhanger. Um, it's not similar to uh, Halloween's, but it does kind of leave you asking, what's gonna, you know, what happens <laughs> now? Um, um, I, the second you said, I don't know why, camp and things like that, my head literally went to like sleepaway camp with yeah. the when you said big twist, like <laughs> is it is it a transgender? No. Yeah. <laughs> well, it... <laughs> actually, I mean, so I go, I give a shout out um, because while you know on the Twitter we we do kind of have these. Um, I'll, I'll often try and put up about, um, you know, what we're going to be talking about and try and get some opinions or stuff like that. So if you find us at CMTH podcast, um, I want to give a shout out to uh, um, that, the podcast that wouldn't die because they suggested Sleepaway Camp, you know, as a, as a rip off, but also, you know, uh, <laughs> a, a good film in its own. Yeah. Um, Essential Scares podcast had uh, Critters and Ghoulies. Both ripoffs, Gremlin, Ghoulies. I almost went for this one, um, which John Trent uh, suggested, and that's the original Wrong Turn. Um, yeah, uh, but Screaming Sam got in there um, with Fucci's Fucci's Zombies too, um, and they actually did an episode on this. I'd seen the film before, and I checked out the episode, and it's great. Um, but you know, I, I had to revisit this, revisit, revisit, ah, revisit this again. Yeah. Um, the film also has a pretty funky synth soundtrack, though it's not quite up there with John Carpenter's. <laughs> um, it does have some kind of differences. So Terry, as opposed to being a mask, a maskless killer, he's more charming and he's kind of hiding because he, his whole idea is to kill and to blame uh, Todd for doing it. Um, he's, tr- you know, he's triggered by his mum getting engaged to this person, and then he sees that. He hears that his brother's escaped, so he uses that as a chance to go on a killing spree. He doesn't really get obsessed with one person. Um, and instead of going for kind of, you know, 
more suspense and tension like the original Halloween. It kind of follows on a lot more of, you know, the rip-off slashers. Yeah. Um, and it leans a lot more towards gore. Um, and there are some really over-the-top kills in it. Um, so we see beheadings. We see people's hands getting cut off. Um, we see a whole bunch of kind of wild shit like that. Um, and whilst it does dif- differentiate itself in that way, it's kind of hard to not actually look at this film and think, this is just Halloween, <laughs> you know, with, <laughs> but with a slightly more charismatic person. Um, I definitely recommend checking it out, though, because despite all of this, um, despite the kind of, you know, similarities, it does kind of go on really well. Um, I couldn't find out the budget for this again, Um and I couldn't find out, you know. No, it's as Ted, yeah. Ted Raimi was in the cast. Ted Raimi's in it. Ted Raimi has a <laughs> short appearance. Um, they they cast Ted Ted Raimi, but he's literally like, yeah, you know, for like a split second. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, I gotta be honest. I I love any of these kind of slashers, so I'd definitely be in. I've, I've I, got, yeah. I haven't seen this one, but I would check this out. <laughs> it's on Amazon Prime. It's a quite a short film, um, at uh, eighty two minutes long. So it is fe- it is on the shorter side. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't drag, it doesn't take its time, you know, it, it gets it gets into the killings relatively quickly. Um it re- you know, and it's a it's a neat little film. I would definitely uh, recommend checking it out. But it's hard to not watch it and just draw the and you know draw those parallels when the when the psych- psychiatrist run, you know comes and shows her face and you're <laughs> like it was Dr. Loomis. And they then try to divert yeah, it by dice killing divert it. Yeah. Um, but overall, you know, I definitely recommend checking it out. And I recommend checking out uh, Scare and Sam Pod's episode on it as well. If you want to go more in depth about it. I'm trying I'm not try- trying to give away any of the, you know, of the spoilers or anything, because it's a fun film to watch. You know, you know who's gotta die, you know who's gonna live for the most part. I don't need to tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's how they die, and you know, and there are a lot of kind of really good, well done kills in this. So what was your honourable mention? Right, so I was just thinking about this because when yours came on here, uh, I was kind of thinking, oh, maybe I should have gone with my original choice because we talked about the film like ages ago. So, well, I'd say my first honourable mention, to be fair, it was between Urban Legends and I Know What You Did Last Summer, which was so, but to me, uh, weirdly enough, I found out that uh, I Know What You Did Last Summer, not actually a rip-off it was actually already in production before okay. scream ever actually got released ah, so and it's written by kevin williamson as well so and it's also yeah. based on its own book which scream yeah it wasn't. is isn't it? so technically it's not a rip-off it's just yes they might have been cashing in on that thing but scream wasn't actually released when it was already in, in production. production yeah therefore they didn't know that was going to be a hit so i'd actually say it's actually not a rip-off but my one i was was the burning Okay, which I told yeah. you about. And you I don't have. know why I didn't go for this one. Um, and it's very similar. It's like Blood Rage. It's, and it's probably much closer to a Friday the 13th ripoff than it is a Halloween ripoff. Yeah. Obviously, one is a ripoff of the other. But we can't say, even though we can say um, Friday the 13th is a ripoff of Halloween in for being a slasher and bringing back the slash credits, it's not actually a ripoff of really no. of the film. It's not... Enough you know of I mean? the plot points are different. You You can tell it's clearly heavily inspired, but... Enough of the plot points. Are yeah, kind of different they've come ways. up with their own concept in, yeah. a, in a way. To it is different to go from there. Whereas the burning is basically like. So I'll I'll just give you a little short yeah. synopsis. Um, at summer camp, some teenagers pull a prank on the camp's caretaker, Crosby. <laughs> but the joke goes uh, terribly yes. wrong, and the teens have Crosby for dead after setting him on fire. Okay. 
but no one keeps Cropsy down. A few years later, the burned and disfigured, care, disfigured caretaker returns to the camp equipped with his trusty shears, ready to unleash his particular brand of vengeance on a whole new group of teens. The murderous Cropsy stalks the campers in the wood one by one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've got instead of Jason drowning, we've got. <laughs> we've got, you know. The, Okay, a bit harsher because this time they actually burned the guy <laughs> who was the caretaker, not just left, not just forgot about a child who was meant, who was they had difficulties. Yeah. So yeah. this one is much more their fault, and therefore this one does have, but the deaths and the things like that, it's all very similar. It's all full of sex and horny teenagers in the middle of him that get like the the shears going through both of them, you know, yeah. slit throats, other ones burnt, faces deep, like pulled apart, like all that kind of thing. Yeah. It's a cool, it's a cool little horror, but it is completely like sometimes feels shot for shot. This is you've just taken Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, it was released in nineteen eighty one, a year after. Yeah, and it was literally like shit. There's that film. Go and make this film. Like, <laughs> run, run. Take the script for the film and just change a few parts of it, and we have got the burning instead of Friday the Thirteenth. Nice. Um, yeah, and it, it did have a couple of early like known actors like Jason Alexander and Holly Hunter and people like that in it. Mm. A fair few that were like kind of recognised, but it general. Although I'd say check it out. And not say it's not amazing, but if you like these kind of films, just you'd probably be into it. <laughs> the story was conceived by Harvey Weinstein. Oh. <laughs> it's so that hasn't aged well. But... Yeah, definitely. Not. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, the reason that Scream was called Scream was because of Harvey Weinstein. So oh, okay. <laughs> they're the ones that helped make the, those films and were big like behind it. So, you know, yeah. sometimes in life you have to do bad things in order to get good things. Like... <laughs> yeah. Oh well. So this is this was oh that's actually Harvey Weinstein desperate to break into the movie business. It said so. The, so the burning is the reason we have Harvey Weinstein. So maybe this is not a good thing. No, maybe maybe it should be burnt. <laughs> but then scream. But then scream. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> and some other great horror films yeah. out of that. So uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, I'd probably say maybe history would be better without Harvey Weinstein. Definitely. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Bad on the burning for that, but um, and it it was a you know it was only a one point five million budget, and it it did make a profit, yeah, just like thing because it was basically anyone who saw Friday the Thirteenth, the ones that get in there quick, a lot of people were like, yeah, I want I, I want yeah. a bit more of that. Maybe it'll be like Friday the Thirteenth. It's not, it's not as good, um, but then again, it probably feels a little bit more like the sequel actually, part yeah. two, than it does part one because yeah. it's not doing the whole who's the mystery as much as. Friday the 13th did. So. Yeah, definitely. That was my little honourable mention. That, that would have been my one of my other numbers that I was kind of thinking. I don't know. Did you have any backups? Or were you just set that you got? I, I was just set. I was. I knew you wouldn't have Sawney. I knew you wouldn't have that. I hadn't seen any of yours. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. Well, I'm sure I'm probably the only person. I mean, some of mine might have been a bit more common choices. Yours were kind of yeah. to the left. Lower budget. Australian, <laughs> Australian, and Scottish, Scottish, so not Yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. just, I mean, I, I kind of, I, I saw that Saudi film a long time ago, and then I found it on Amazon Prime, and I put it into my list. And then when we when we were planning the episode, I was kind of like, I'm just going to watch it. And then when I, you know, um, when I was watching it, I it was coming more in my head of, oh yeah, this is fucking, um, you know, the hills have eyes. Yeah, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And then I, I was mean, like, let's look at I mean, this is a big part of it. You might have people saying, well, any film 
it's technically. Derivative. Yeah, any film is derivative. I mean, at this point in time, you know, just about every version of types of films have probably been made and we're yeah. kind of just trying to find original concepts now. It's like trying yeah. to make new Pokemon, isn't it? You just, it's just... Exactly. And, and with horror films at the time, if someone enjoyed a certain film a lot and it made a lot of money for horror films, if one makes a lot of money, you know you're going to get a million other versions that are going to pop yeah. out, out of it. Um, and, and I love all three of the films that I've mentioned, I love. You know, we, we when we say rip off, we 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 do say it kind of tongue in cheek because yeah, it, you know it's okay for these films to kind of be rip offs. We want that. We we liked that. We want more of it. And most of the time, are any of them ever better than the original? Not most of the time. You you had one exception there that yeah. you, you like believe is stronger than the original. But most of the time, when we're talking about all of these string of creature features things like that. They're not stronger than the one that kind of originally built out of it. Like if I said Jurassic, if I said Jurassic Park restarted the creature feature kind of thing, which some people kind of link, although some say it started a little bit earlier than that. But still, if I had something like that, I can't say <laughs> that Mimic or Deep Blue Sea are better than Jurassic Park. No, but they're better, maybe more horrific. Um, so it is kind of all down to the person. I could look into just about any film and go, "Oh, you've taken the bastard." That's, yeah. that's a joke about that great film. Well, that's a joke about... Yeah, well, but it still is kind of, you know, each person to their own. <laughs> yeah. Some people might go, I love that film, so the fact you're ripping off my film is that shit. You're doing a shit, shit interpretation. I say in horror, I mean, I'd say just about every horror film that you probably love is probably inspired by about four or five of horror probably, films. Probably, yeah. That's the way you know, which it works, isn't it? It is how it works. We just recycle, but... Hopefully, in that recycled, sometimes we get some great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and sometimes we just get trash. But there's nothing wrong with horror trash. Either. Sometimes you need trash. Man. You just want throat rips and eye gouges yeah. and uh, fake sequels. <laughs> yeah. um, well, I, that's going to wrap up the show for today. Um, so come and let us know what your favourite rip-off horror films are. Um, we are over on Instagram and Twitter at CMTH Podcast. If you've enjoyed the show, hit the like and subscribe button so you get your episodes straight away. And leave us a lovely review, it always helps. And we will see you next week for a special uh, one-year anniversary, Cast Me to Hell. Um, and then the following week, we've got another little tasty treat planned for you. So we shall see you soon. Goodbye. Bye. Was the name of the moment.